Welcome to Sex and Happiness with Lori Handlers. Amazing sex and intimacy are just around the corner. While Lori puts the finishing touches on her new book, Sex and Happiness Over 60, please enjoy this show. It's one of her favorites from the Sex and Happiness Archives. When I think about images of soldiers being lovers, old World War II movies come into my mind. I picture Robert Mitchum and I picture John Wayne. I guess I'm aging myself here, but I I picture these guys docking into a port and finding available ladies to kiss and smooch with and dance with. And, you know, possibly they never showed it back then, but it was the illusion that they were going to eventually make love to these ladies or sometimes come home to their lady waiting at home. My guest today claims to be a warrior turned lover. Sean Roop has been a student and teacher of life wisdom since 1989. He has a website and he runs something called Tantra Quest, which is a Tantra training center. So, Sean, welcome to my show. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, thanks. It's wonderful to have you. And I especially want to find out how a trained warrior, you'll have to tell us what that training is, whatever, you know, how a warrior could turn into a lover and want to say that about himself. It's really interesting that uh, that my path, it feels like I've lived so many lives already, even though I'm at the the, um, the, the right young age of, of, of 38 now. Uh, when I was younger, I, I was in the military. I joined when I was 19 years old. But even before I went in the military, I actually joined the police academy. And at 18, I was attempting to become a police officer. And um, you were going to be a police officer, and and you didn't do that. I went to the police academy, and um, I am so blessed to have had a sergeant who actually was a a, a local uh, uh, police policeman at my at, in my city because I was going to I was in Orange County, California, and it's the interesting thing is all the little cities. Uh, all share one police academy, so it's not like one police academy for each police department. They all share one community college does the police academy for everyone. And so he happened to be one of the trainers, and he knew me, and he basically sat me down uh, about five, six weeks into the program, and he goes, look, here's the deal. You're 18 years old. You you can't even go into a bar to break up a, a fight. Do you realize that? Like, it'd be illegal <laughs> for you to walk into a bar to break up a fight and he said there's so much life to live <laughs> and and right now you're going to get involved in this and you're going to do the same thing i did which was you're going to become a cop you're not going to travel you're going to have three marriages like there's no need for this go be in the world see the world enjoy life if you want to be a cop it's always going to be here there's always going to be need for police officers and you don't have to worry about doing this right now and i was so at 18, so sure of what my path was. I wanted to protect and serve. That's what I want to do. I want to give to my community and my society in this, this way. And, and I thought I could be a really good police officer. And, and that's where my, my, uh, my drive was coming from. But, uh, but, but he really supported me and, and, uh, actually he put the screws to me is what he did. The, 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 him and the other trainers make it, made it so impossible. There was no way that I could actually pass. So I actually dropped out, uh, soon. Uh, after that conversation. Well, that's and a very well, fortuitous break, you you might say. I mean, yeah. given who you are now, which we're going to yeah. find more, you know, find out more about, 
that was very astute of that man. And he must have seen something in you, Sean, that you might not have seen in yourself at that time. Could that be possible? I, I so think that's exactly what was going on, Lori. This, this, this individual was actually, even though a police officer, but he was a really wise man. And, um, and, and actually really enjoyed what he did and didn't take himself too seriously. I think that's what happens when people get too identified with a particular archetype, like a, a warrior or a, or, or for instance, a, 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 a police officer, like that, that cop archetype. But he, he just, he, he was a man, not a cop. Like, he was really clear about that. And that's why I was so glad that he's a trainer, like, especially nowadays. Like, I, I'm so glad that he was out there training people instead of some really hard nosed type of, of folks. But um, that that uh, I, I was really depressed that I that I dropped that, that I got washed out of the academy at 18, and um, and and then and then there on CNN were all these people lining up for Desert Shield in in Saudi Arabia, and I thought, well, I'm not in the police academy, I, I but there's a war going on. I, I this is my war. I, I need to go be part of the war, and um, so I went down and joined the military and and. Uh, and that was in the summer uh, before Desert Storm ha- actually happened. So I had to wait. I, there were so many people that signed up during that time that I actually couldn't. I had to wait six months to go in the military. And um, there was a lot of opportunities for not to go in the military, but I decided to, to go in, and, and I joined the Air Force. And I was in basic training during the entire war that lasted 10 days. <laughs> so I... I there was no war for me in, in my career, but uh, what what oh. happened was while I was in the Air Force, um, uh, I I became a trainer of of law enforcement and uh, and small arms training. So actually, uh, I was in anti-terrorism and and learned uh, how to teach people to shoot um, guns and and how to do close quarter combat. And that you know that's where my path was for the next four years huh. from that point, which is. <laughs> Uh, that was in uh, 2000, right? No, no, I'm sorry, that was in 90, 90, 1990. 1990? It was 91 to 95 is when I was in the Air Force. Okay, got it. So, it, well, the yeah, only it, thing it, so far that I, that resembles the you that I'm in now is the closed quarters. <laughs> the closed quarters. Yeah, that's about it. Well, and also the teaching. You know, the teachings and others. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's okay because actually, you know, the, the, the military gave me some really wonderful things. One of those things was the ability to teach groups of people. Um, and, but, but, um, what, what happened for me was is I, I just went down such a path to the point where someone would invite me to go hunting and I, I would actually have this ability to go, no, it's not really fair. That's how good of a shot I was. Um, you know, give wow. me a, Spear, give me a bow and arrow, I'll go hunting. But I'm not <laughs> to put a gun in my hands is not a fair. That's not a fair fight. That's how that's how accurate and and competent and skilled I was in 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 uh, combat. You were really like a no nonsense, like no kidding warrior that could you know you're you you're deadly in a certain way. Yeah. Wow. Between between the distance of two feet to 500 yards, I I, I had the advantage. Wow. Yep. It's yeah, amazing, right. and um, I just got to – I want to go back for a minute because it's always intrigues me when somebody wants to be a police officer or a warrior like that. Was your upbringing – I'm not going to psychoanalyze you, of course. I don't 
want to do that, but I mean, <laughs> was your upbringing, like, was there anyone else in your family who was an officer or a marksman? No, that's the interesting part about that is that, um, I was, I, I was raised in a very liberal household. Um, I was the only quote unquote Republican in the house. Um, I was, I was really, I, I, I was a very interesting conservative kid in a, in a, I grew up in Laguna Beach, California. It's a very liberal city. And my parents were spiritual, but not religious. And, and, uh, they just shook their head at me and they didn't get it. My sister couldn't figure me out at all. She was a really big liberal and, and, uh, but I, I did have a brother and an uncle who also went in the, in the Air Force. And both of them at, at that time when I went in were millionaires. And I, and they, they said that they didn't need college, that the military gave them everything they needed. And they, neither one of them were officers, which I thought was really interesting. And they both went in the Air Force. So I went in the Air Force and didn't have to, I, I never flew, flew a plane or fixed a plane or, or did anything with planes for that matter. I, I, I got put into a very army-like situation that the Air Force had to do, which was I, I actually did law enforcement in the military. I mean, that's, that's in the Air Force, I was just the ground troop for, for the, for the Air Force. And, um, it's a, but there was well, no one else. I played army a lot when I was a kid. I, I used to sanitize and play army all the time. And so I think there was like this, this desire to be the knight or the archetype of, of the warriors for sure. You mean, so you actually were one of these guys that I'm talking about in the World War II movies. You could have been Robert Mitchum in your fantasy exactly. life. Yeah, I, 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 there was always that desire inside me as a young boy to be the hero. Like, yeah. It would have seemed really heroic for me to land on a grenade to save everyone else. Wow. And, and, so, and, yeah, so I can I see you were just, steeped in that archetype, you know, of warrior, absolutely. even from being a little boy. I mean, there are probably lots of boys who yeah. have that. I mean, I had I, my archetype was Joan of Arc. You know, I was right. going to go, you know, be burned at the stake for saving the planet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And you were going to step on a grenade to save the planet, to save humankind. Sure. So I, I sure. actually can identify with you a lot. And I yeah. imagine that lots of people can identify with that, Sean. I mean, it's not far-fetched it's, it's at the, all. Yeah, it's, it's totally the, selfless, the selflessness that seems so heroic and, 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 um, and of value in our society. Like, heroes are so valued in our society. And so as a, as a young boy trying to figure out his way, um, that's what it was. And so, um, it was, it was really interesting because actually it was my senior year that I made the decision to kind of go down that path, uh, in high school. But before all that, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be creative and artistic and I wanted to be in the, in the, in the, the filmmaking business. And then, and then, uh, I, I, I won all these awards for being a filmmaker when I was in high school. And then when I applied to one school, cause I thought I was bulletproof. And they gave me the Hollywood tweet treatment when I got denied a place in the school. I, I, my self-esteem couldn't handle it. No way. No way. It was way too much rejection for me. And I crumbled and I, and that's when the law enforcement, uh, was, was a, a next option. Right. Like your backup plan, but something that had always been a fantasy. So not so oh, Totally. Totally. Yes. And, and I always, always wanted to, so, so I was, and I was good at what I did. I was so good at it in 1994. Uh, my, my third year in, I won Airman of the Year, which is, um, like basically there's officers and airmen. I won Airman of the Year for the entire Air Force. Wow. So, yeah, so I, 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 not only was I, was I good at what I did, I excelled completely and, and was highly, highly, you know, rewarded and, and, and seen 
for what I did, but there's no money in that. I mean, all it is is another ribbon. All it is is another certificate or trophy. So, so I, 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 the reason why I got out of the military was because I saw so many, so many of my supervisors on food stamps and I thought that was wrong. I, I, I didn't make sense. And also a lot of my na- na- naiveness around being a warrior was quickly replaced with the reality of what that means. Yes, quickly, yes, yes. Quickly. What was your love life like when you were actually enlisted in the Air Force? <laughs> messy. <laughs> what? Um, I was, it was very messy, very messy. Um, what, what was probably the biggest thing is that, is that, uh, I still had this idea that I should, uh, I, I was, I was looking for, for the, this, this one person that was going to fulfill my everything. And I was kind of putting the cart before the horse with, with a lot of that. I, I was really bad at, at my, my dating scene because I was always, I was always, uh, um, evaluating are they marriage material? Are they marriage material? Or do they like me? Would they marry me? And I'm serious. Like it was really messy and my sex life was horrifically bad. I mean, it was just, um, it was embarrassing to the sense of, of, of my skills and my ability to really connect. I was a good, I was a giver. And, and I was really available to, to, to give to people, um, in, in a sweet, sweet giving way, but I, but I didn't know how to receive, that's for sure. Not at all. Wow. I, 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 that was just, it was, yeah, it was dysfunctional. <laughs> um, and I didn't have a whole lot of lovers. I mean, uh, when I was in the Air Force, I, I, I really, I really had a lot of low self-esteem, even though I was excelling in my career, when it came to my love life, I, I didn't have a lot of ability to, to really, um, connect on a level that I felt comfortable with, that's for sure. You know, it's great. It's so great that you said that and actually that you laughed at it too because if we took that uh, example that you just gave that you were like excelling in your military career, you were being awarded esteem that maybe no one else gets awarded very much. You know, most military people do not get you know the 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 primo award, and you did really well. That, what? One person a year. Yeah, one person a year. So here you are at the top of your game in the military, and your love life is not good. It's you know it's messy. You have low self esteem. I imagine. I'm just saying this because I'm sure there are people out there listening to this. I'm quite certain that there's plenty of people. And I could say men, but I think it's men and women who are at the top of their game in something. They could be a top athlete, a top business person, and yet their self-esteem is so low, they have no idea how to actually give or receive, and they don't know anything about being a lover, or very, very little. You know, there's something that they watched in a film, in some stupid film, or they heard about in, in you know, in music. But they really don't have any skills like the kind of skills we're talking about that you developed, you know, at a, at a very early age. So I just want to say that because I think it sets the backdrop for where you went from there, you know, which is an luckily, amazing transition. Well, luckily, I, I, before I joined the military, I had, I had, had a, a foundation in, in the Hawaiian shamanistic arts, the Huna. But, but all that did was give me an ability to, to know energy better and and I could heal but but I, I really didn't have the skills to relate and I think that was a big that's a big thing that's missing for a lot of people 
Can you say I just a little are... something more about that practice so that pe- so that I can know what it is? Uh, sure, what, sure. That Hawaiian practice. Yeah, it's called Huna, which um, which is from the Hawaiians that uh, uh, you've heard of the of a big Kahuna, right? You've heard of that term, like right. Kahuna. Right. So Everyone has big kahuna, sure. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So so a, a kahuna is nothing more than a practitioner of the art of huna. And there was there was kahunas for farming and for surfing, and there was also kahunas for healing and magic. And so I went down the path of healing and magic. So I was I was really initiated into a, a very deep lineage, uh and still I'm, I'm still I'm still very much a part of it, but but what's interesting is that is that it, it, there was many people that told me you carry the the healer energy in you, and I didn't know what that meant. And so actually, the best I could do with it was, oh, that means I'm a protector of the healers. That's what I'm a warrior of the healers, I guess. Wow. So, so Lori, does that does that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can so identify that's, that's with all of it because I feel you know everything you're saying. Yeah. You know, warrior yeah. goddess. Protector right. of healing, protective healers. Sure, yeah. Sean. It's uh, sure. it's very, you know, it's it's familiar to me. Listen, I had sure. fantasies too of wanting to be. I once dated somebody who was an army ranger. Uh huh. Yep. And um, I was really jealous. I, I, if I tell you the truth, I was really jealous of things he did. I was jealous of yeah. uh, propelling. I think rappelling down mountain ranges and I was jealous of his weaponry, you know, artistry and I was jealous of a lot of things. Um there was a part of me that I would have loved to have experienced that in a in a certain way. So yeah. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Well, yeah, of course. I mean I think that's I think that's where where a lot of us might come from in this place. And so Back then, again, it was the only way that I could merge the two together at any level it, for my head to actually grasp it. The first duty station that I had was in Las Vegas, Nevada, at, at a base called Nellis Air Force Base. And what was interesting is that that's where I started to think outside the box. And actually, there was a store there called the Psychic Eye Bookstore. And that was before, you know, psychic uh, esoteric bookstores were really readily available all over the place, but this one was actually a superstore of, of like psychics and crystals and all this other kind of stuff. And I used to go in there on the weekends, and I'd just get lost in there, and I felt really at home, even though I had the military haircut and I was in the military. I, I would still hang out there, but I would never tell anyone that I was doing that. It was almost like I was in some sort of porn shop or something, as far as I was considered. Like, no one that I worked with would know that I was going to the psychic eye bookstore. Right, I can understand so, so that I, it would be frowned upon. That, yeah, yeah. So I was really, I was really in the closet, if you will, when it came to my energy work and my ability to 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 be a magician, if you will. So, so then I I I got transferred and I from Vegas to England, and something really amazing happened there. Because of this opportunity, the United States government paid for me to learn how to be psychic. Oh, your wow. tax dollars, my tax dollars support training on, on psychic warfare and, 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 um, and psychological ops. And so what I learned how to do was to stand outside of a building, project myself into the building and actually find where there might be targets. That's amazing. And my mouth is, you this, can't see me right now, but my mouth has dropped to the floor. This, I, this, 
this is going That's on. That's amazing. All the time. And I know about this stuff, but it's so amazing that yeah. you got to participate in yes. it. It's amazing. I did. I did. And it was all it was I was handpicked to do that. And um and and it was a multi it was a multi joint force path type training that happened and and uh it was really weird. And but but what happened was that I learned I learned some very, very, very cool things um, that for my own life. And the biggest one that I learned, which really set the stage for some other things in my life, is that um, there's things that go on in this life that I may not know about, but if I get out of my way, I'll experience them. Wait, say that again. If I go out of my way, what? If I get out of my way. Oh, get out. Okay. Yeah, if I just get out of my way, I'll be able to experience the magic of life that my wow. abilities will actually expand more than I could ever imagine. And the whole training was nothing more than pretend, pretend, pretend. Pretend you can do that, Rook. Just keep pretending you can do it. And then all of a sudden, I just got out of my way. And even even though I was in my mind pretending that I was doing something, I was getting up to 90% accuracy when I would actually be able to identify targets within a building. That's amazing. Yes. And, and it's so, really, and, and this, it's very this big. It's, it's a big. You're proving something here. You know, it's kind of yeah. like proving something here that lots of people without science, without a scientific background don't want to hear about, but you're actually justifying something that plenty of people today believe that they can read things, they can hear things before they happen, they can sense things, and that's what you're, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. So, so with, with that being said, um, uh, you know, that, that kind of opened me up and then I got a little more exposed to some other things while I was in England because England's a very, has a different society, different culture. I, I, I opened myself up more and more because I was outside of the American society. When I got out, um, in 90, 94, 95, uh, it was right on the edge there. When I got out, I, I was, I was really, uh, ready to go back to the police academy. I was ready. I, I had done my service. I had become an, an anti-terrorism uh, sniper. So my job was to snipe other snipers. And, uh, and, and I had excelled at it. I had, I had reached the, the top of what I could do. And I got out. And no one could understand why I was getting out. But I was like, cause I, I, I'm not happy doing this. Cause there's a lot of mess in the military, a lot of overspending and, and the missions were a disaster. It was like, what, what, why am I fighting for something I really don't believe in? And that's what happened. Um, so, you, so I got so out. You and had I a change a of heart. Again. You had a big change of yeah. heart there. Um, well, big time. Seeing big the reality. Time. Because I, seeing the, it's one thing to have the a reality. theory. It's another thing to see it. Totally. Oh yeah. When you're looking at, at at movies, like you were talking about in your intro, everything seems pretty groovy, and everyone's on task, and the vision seems pretty clear. When you're at, when you're in, in there in reality, it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, and and I I was happy to get out of the Air Force. How did things change up for you and have your interest? Aside from the fact that you had the Hawaiian healing and you were learning this all this psychic stuff in England when when you were there, how did it how did it gel? How did it come together? Well, when I got out of the military, I wanted to become a law enforcement. I wanted to go back in law enforcement, but fate had another another uh, uh deal for me and and I the uh, the week I was supposed to go in the police academy I slipped on some Hagen dazs that was filled at a mall and broke my hand and I missed that academy and because <laughs> of that um I got I got I got 
snaggled into my to my um to my family business. My mom and dad had a, a business in, in Orange County and Laguna where they had a a, a tow ring store. So actually I became I, I stepped away from all that warrior stuff. But what's interesting is that is that one thing that I missed was the camaraderie. And so then I became I, I jumped into martial arts and uh was actually uh quite quite uh, successful in the martial arts. I, I was uh, I, I joined Taekwondo, got my black belt, and I was uh, competing and fighting um, in in Taekwondo, and and was pretty successful at that uh, for quite a while. So the warrior the warrior in me continued, and then I learned defense. So now I'm playing with swords and I'm doing martial arts and competing <laughs> in both of those. And then I started playing ice hockey, and that's a pretty violent sport. So, I just I just kept going with it. It was so funny, even though I wasn't involved in in things. I I, I was still in that that competitive or, uh, or aggressive uh, uh, mentality. I was sweet. I mean, I'm a sweet guy. I was never like you know a jerk or anything like that. But but what I was doing was 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 playing with it like a like a cat with a mouse. Like I was goofing with it, uh, um, but but at a distance. And then. And then I, I, I continued to have relationship woes and, and then I heard about Tantra and decided to, um, see if that could possibly ha- help me. And I was in a three year relationship that was really boring and non-romantic. And, and I thought it was the sex issues were, were because of me and, and my, my ability and skills to be a sexual, uh, to be sexual and to be a sex master, if you will. Um, was so far away from my 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 ideas, and so like I actually booked a tantra session to help me learn how to give more to a woman, and um and I and I got something far I, different. I just have to say that I love that about you that you decided it was you. Yeah, you know uh, that's a, that's another rare thing, Sean. I mean, that's another rare quality for a man. To decide, okay, I'm going to go find out about this. I mean, I guess it comes from the fact that you you became so highly trained and you're not opposed to training. But still, I'm making the point because there are so many men who feel it's her fault. You know, it's the woman's yeah. that she's, you know, she, if she wasn't so moody or she didn't have her yeah. her menstrual period, if she didn't have these things, she would be less bitchy, easier to deal with, and she'd definitely be a better, you know, better sex. There'd be better sex. And you're saying you went and you, you sought out training for yourself, which I commend you, and I feel that it's uh, definitely needed and necessary, and I love that you did it. Yeah, I thanks for that, Lori. I appreciate that. And, and it was a big turning point for me because what I got from it, was not so much that uh, I needed to learn skills how to please another person, but what I needed to do is how to learn how to please myself so that I yeah. wasn't coming across as needy because that's what I was doing. Again, it was it was so codependent. I was in such a codependent cycle that there was no no room for me to excel as long as I believed that's how it should be. Right. So Tantra, the very first Tantra session broke something deep inside me to break the model that I needed to codepend. And and uh, offered me independence uh, from for for uh, which which made room for me to have a healthy relationship. There's, you're saying a lot. I mean, it's power packed what you're saying because yeah. a lot of people feel still stuck. Their partner has to please them. If the partner doesn't please them, again, it's the partner's fault. So again, all this self responsibility that you're talking about breaking the pattern of codependence. Excellent. So, yeah. you, so, so from that minute on, were you, did you know you would teach Tantra? Did you, did you, you took to it like a duck no. in water? 
No, I, I went back into that hole that I, I guess I'm here to protect the Tantricas now. Now I thought I was going to be a temple guardian. You see? So, so in my dysfunction around that, uh, I, I, I was being, I was being told that I should be teaching. I mean, almost immediately, it's like, this is in you. You were born with this. And, and, and there was, there was desire for me to be, to be exploring it on a deeper level, but I was kind of playing it small because I didn't feel that that was me. Um, there was so much inside of me around uh, my energy and my ability to share my energy. Um, I just didn't have the self-esteem, and I and I and I, I again I knew how to give, but I didn't know how to receive. And so the moment that I I, I shifted that, things changed within me, and I needed to acclimate. I needed to get my lay of the land with that new that newness. So rather than reaching right out and helping other people, I was still pretty self-serving and, and having my own experience, my own journey. But I had teachers that were pretty much pretty much sure that this is what I should be doing for a living. And then the very first time I taught was actually I was tricked. I was actually tricked um, to teach uh, something about NLP. And um, so I went up there and did this little talk, which I was it was in my wheelhouse. I could use, easily teach NLP uh, to a, a room full of tantricas, but then. Uh, the, the, the main teacher kept me up on stage and wouldn't let me go and, uh, I was forced to start sharing some of my own experiences and my own, uh, wisdom that was coming through from my, from my journey. And, uh, thus was born a tantric teacher. I love this. I love that you were tricked and you, you did good. I, I want to go back for a minute because not everybody understands what NLP is, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it is a yes. handy thing to have and it could be, you know, sometimes it could be used for the wrong purposes. Sometimes it's used for the right purposes. But you want to just say a little something about that so people can get a full understanding yeah. of NLP? No, not sure. a full understanding. A little understanding of NLP. Yeah, it's, yeah, a snippet. Well, basically, what, what for me, what NLP has been the, the greatest gift that I've gotten, that I've received from it, is, is to learn how to have a, a deep relationship with my unconscious, my conscious, and my higher self. Through language, through thought, through energy, through um, through really knowing myself and and actually being able to hear better other people, NLP gave me the skills to to be more available, and and that was that was a really big piece of of the puzzle. And I think it it, it goes really hand in hand with tantra because communication is 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 something that in our society is a is a big thing. People don't know how to communicate at the levels they might like to. I mean, they really have yeah. this intention, this desire to communicate well. Um, the English language doesn't always support us. No. Right, right. So, so NLP good, breaking great. it down, and it is it is relearning how how to speak. But what it does is it opens up uh, our internal dialogue in a whole new way, and allows us to have external dialogue that that moves, and we actually can be heard. And there's a lot of Tantra in that. That's beautiful. I actually use an NLP technique in my classes. I have one of those bells, like the kind of bell that you that you might find at the deli counter. And whenever yep. anybody says something really profound in my class, I ring the bell and I explain to people that I'm anchoring that thought yep. and that yep. and that phrase into not only the person who said it, but the people in the class as well. So they start to That's get great. that anchored into their system. Yeah. And some I mean, people have told me that the bell reminds them of Catholic school. I guess they got it anchored some <laughs> <laughs> much earlier. 
But uh, that's what oh, that's how I use a little bit of NLP in my classes. So yeah. this is great. I, so I, I, I so found, I found a rapport to be a big thing too. That's one of the it, it's big things for for NLP that taught me um, a lot is rapport. It get, it actually did, it gave it probably gave you a system. It did that uh, that you could follow and then expand from in terms of getting to know people and getting to know yourself. It's very powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. So okay, so so you you used NLP and then you were tricked. You know, you they they told you to make a NLP demo or something, a little piece on NLP, and then you were standing there and there you were teaching. How long into your study of tantra was this? About uh, eight months in. Oh, so here you were, people recognizing you as a leader. And you going, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because because I I was like, hey, I I need to be, I need, I, I'm not, I'm not in a place where I could, you know, that all that I can't, I'm not, I'm the, you know, I was identifying myself, and it took someone to go whatever and put up the BS flag, and 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 get get me tricked to get beyond that because what what was so real uh, is that uh, my story and my and my life was so vanilla. It wasn't like I was some new agey guy exploring Tantra. Like I was the guy's guy who was finding Tantra. And and this particular teacher really desired me to share this because there was a value in that. Um, yeah. that that this that Tantra doesn't require you to be some yogi with robes on and the beard to really to really uh excel at it or to find grace within your life. Right, you don't have to be a particular image. You can be anybody and find the greatness and the pleasure and the actual self-responsibility, everything you're speaking about, the tools and all. Yeah. So good. What a smart, what a smart teacher. Uh, I agree. She, she was really, you know, her name was Karina Clark. She's a pretty amazing woman and, um, she, she really supported me a lot. Um, and, and in my beginning, uh, of, of my tantra career, I really, I really owe her a lot for holding the, holding the tightrope and and the safety net. <laughs> she did pull yeah. for me. Yeah, amazing, wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that she saw that in you, because you're yeah, certainly you. adding some new dimensions to this to this tantra world, and you're saying things that, uh, I mean, your background and everything really allows a whole other genre of people. To get that this could be for them, it's um, while you you know while your career in the Air Force and uh, and police academy may not be totally mainstream uh, because you excelled in those things and not everyone gets to do that and so on, but it certainly gives comes from the whole other side of life, which is uh, which keeps things in balance, which you know the the life where man, men do want to be John Wayne. So it allows John yeah. Wayne to become to become this beautiful lover, to become Cupid, if you will, or you know, whatever, some great god. So that's good stuff. Something so amazing happened to me along that journey, which was there was a point where I actually had to put to rest the warrior within me, because what I realized was is that through. The deeper I opened up, and this gets kind of new agey, but the deeper I opened up, the more that I, I really got in touch with my past lives and how often I have died in the name of war 
um, and, and on the battlefield, leaving loved ones far, far away and other, other, while I was dying on, on foreign soil. And I just, I just became really fatigued with how much loss, um, and, and, and how early I was leaving the planet each time. And I'm really thankful that for whatever reason, uh, the universe really conspired to keep that away from happening, like to keep that from happening this time around. Yeah. Because, uh, I, I got the memo that there's no need for me to be in battle this time. And actually, it's okay that I learned how to, how to tell, to teach people to kill because now my job is to teach people to love. Great stuff, Sean. Great stuff. I know you have something that you run in San Diego called Tantra Quest, which is a Tantra training center. And I also know that you're part of a Tantra theater group. So share a little bit about that and how people can find you. And then I want to hear about this book you just came out with. Great. Well, uh, it, it's uh, burning so many can- uh, wicks at, the, at, at multiple times right now, but it's, it's fun. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a, a center called Tantra Quest in San Diego, and that's that's where I do trainings, and uh, I have weekly trainings there. Sometimes there's three or four events a week that I'm running. Um, I, I, I do anything from the most beginning two-hour talks all the way to a 10-day program here. And um, whether they're group activities or individuals, I, I, I support people on their their path of learning and exploring Tantra in a really safe and um, and an expansive way. Whatever whatever that looks like to them, I, my my gift is to be able to uniquely offer Tantra to where people are, and um, that's what was offered to me. And so I like to share that. And with that, the San Diego is a hotbed for for Tantra. There's so many features here. In San Diego, so one of my friends, Kamala Devi, uh, has has had this vision, this vision to create a thing called Tantra Theater. And so, um, if you'd like to take a look at that stuff, you can go to Tantra San Diego Tantra Theater TV, or San Diego, or, or just Tantra Theater TV. And there's uh, it's free. There's all the clips of the stuff that we've been doing. There's there's hours of of, of performances that are that are there. You can watch. And, uh, and we do that because we understand that Tantra on stage, uh, being on stage is very much having a Tantric experience. Like it's, it's just letting it all go and, and, and finding creativity in the most amazing ways and exploring topics that aren't always the easiest ones. That's really fun. I really enjoy that. In fact, I have, uh, rehearsals tonight for a show that we're doing in a few weeks here in San Diego. Um, the third, the third Saturday of every, every week we, we performed in downtown San Diego. And I just got done finishing writing the book, and that's been really exciting. And it's it's uh, it, it's amazing. It's it's for sale now, and things are going well. Uh, for 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 a project that I swore I would never do, but I I, I did it. <laughs> a lot of these things sound like some things that you swore you'd never do, and then you didn't. Hey. I mean, did, did they have yeah. to trick you into the theater? They didn't. No, I, I was a ham as it is. Being a teacher, that was really easy. Although I, you know, I take that back. What I swore I would never do is or, what I said I was never seeing on stage. I said I'm not singing on stage. I'm not doing any. And then uh, last last month I sang on stage. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I guess I guess that's that's true. I, I have been uh, tricked into doing some things, which is just me getting out of my way again. That's all. That's great, Sean. Really great. You're a true example of how this stuff works. You really just keep pushing past your boundaries 
and getting in growing, 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 like just getting bigger and bigger, it would seem. Uh, tell what's the name of the book that you wrote? The book, the book is called Pathways to Love, 28 Days to Self-Love. So Pathways to Love is a series of books I'm going to be doing. Uh, this is the first, which is uh, learning to have a soulmate-like relationship with yourself. This was the first teaching that Tantra offered me, and I wanted to share this with people, and I wanted to write a book that was of Tantric wisdom without all the dogma or the the uh, the the complexity that Tantra can can scare people away with. There's some people who are really like, oh, I don't know that's Tantra because of this or that because of the media and how it shares things. And uh, and yet the book is is chock full of these wisdoms in a very contemporary, uh, simple way. And it's 28 days of practices to learn how to love yourself and learn yourself more. It's excellent. Sounds excellent. And how can people? Well, give us, how can people get the book and then give us a couple of scoops like what's inside? Sure. Uh, the, the book's for sale on, on uh, my website, entrequest.com, or it's also available on Amazon. And, um, and again, it's Pathways to Love, um, 28 Days of Self-Love. And again, it's so, it's such a simple book. What I love about the, what I love about it is, is I really wanted to be at the most beginning level but even if someone who has some experience could pick it up and grab things from it. And the initial response from the readers that I had who were in, in the proof stage are giving me the feedback that I nailed it. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I really I really hit the mark of what I was trying to do. So some of the some of the 28 days of practices uh, might look like um, changing the start of your day. So there's a few pages of how to really look at how can you wake up and do things differently than you normally do so you can break patterns so that change can come um, when you step off the railroad tracks of the day-to-day stuff, how you drive to work, how you brush your teeth, when you eat, that kind of stuff. It's just one day of how, how to change the start of your day will affect your whole your whole day. And that's that's one excellent. That's one of the medicines. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's like actually asking people to just break their patterns simply. You got it. And then see it. what's see what's there when they do that. And everyone has this experience. If, if you ask anyone who went to school and had a half day, uh, it's a great example of when you break the pattern of what's supposed to be and there's like an assembly or a half day or something like that, there's a feeling of what that day was totally different. Um, and, and that's a good example of because school is such a pattern thing. You go, to, you go to school, you go to your classes, you get out at the same time. But when you break that up, uh, the day shifts. And when we do the same thing as adults, when we can shift our day, then then we'll actually have new experiences, which is a pretty exciting concept and simple people. To me, that's the whole idea of Tantra, to have fresh new experiences all the time, moment by moment, uh, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be with a, making love. It has to. It's like making love to life, just having a fresh experience every moment of the time by actually breaking things up, breaking up the patterns, breaking up everything. And, and then, and then sex no longer becomes something that you do. It's something that you, you get to co-create in all the time. Sexuality becomes not just something you do in the bedroom when you're naked. Sexuality is seen and, and, and experienced on, on so many levels. And I think that's a big teaching of Tantra that a lot of people miss. Um, because they might be really involved in the exercises and the practices and they miss how to really uh, take those exercises and practices and put them into play on our day-to-day life. And so by changing the day, you can't. 
it's a great uh, place. It's a great place to stop. So I, I want to let people just know uh, that I've been talking to Sean Roop. And uh, you have just, you have nailed it, Sean. You have nailed it. You know, the whole idea of taking it out of what people's assumption is, taking out your own assumptions, what how you were going to, like, save the world from terrorism, and you actually became a gifted, talented, talented teacher, lover, and you're breaking up the patterns all the time. It's, uh, it's a great way to be it's a great way to live it's a perfect it's a great example of somebody who has just busted up his paradigm over and over again so thanks for thank doing you. that Sean. <laughs> thank you for acknowledging me i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> thanks sean thanks for being my guest today what a pleasure it was thank to you. have you here and this is laurie handlers i bow to the divine in you thank you namaste